So now Vegemite versus Marmite. Oh, Vegemite, definitely. Vegemite. Yeah. Is there, now, can you taste the difference? Marmite has a sweeter taste to it. I only remember really ever eating Marmite while I was at school camp True. growing up in New Zealand. My mum always used to buy Vegemite because my dad is from Australia and she's from the UK. Thanks for tuning in to episode one of State of the Artist. This week, we catch up with Lucy Revel, a born and bred Wellington creative, blogger, and YouTuber. Lucy showcases the very best people, places, brands, and venues on her blog, The Residence, which won an absolutely positively Wellington award and was recently named one of the top three lifestyle blogs in New Zealand. In this chat, Lucy shares great insight into what it takes to be a content creator, tips on how to start, how she approaches social media, and her 24-hour guide to the coolest little capital in the world. Lucy. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So how would you describe what you do now? So I'm a policy advisor, blogger, and YouTuber. Personally, I don't really like the expression influencer. I think that it's quite cringy and it's something that the marketing industry has created to be able to use an umbrella term for all the people who are kind of in this online space. But um, my first passion is writing and I'm also becoming really interested in sharing stories through video as well. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so you have a day job outside of all your yes. blogging. So. I, I'm a policy advisor. I um, did a law degree. I am admitted as a solicitor of the High Court of New Zealand, but I don't have a current practicing certificate, which means I can't actually be a lawyer for somebody. I can't hold myself out as being a lawyer. But I worked as a lawyer for two years and just ended up stumbling into a job as a policy advisor and found that I really enjoyed it and then now I'm in my second role as a policy advisor and it's great. I really enjoy my work, I really enjoy the place I work and my colleagues are lovely as well. That's great. So this whole residence journey, how did it begin? So it began because I got an email from a cider company offering me up some cider and that gave me the kick I needed to reboot the blog that I had already started a couple of years earlier. It was really a timing thing and the fact that I was becoming quite conscious that internationally YouTubers were suddenly making money and earning livings off what they were doing. They, I could see the discipline of which they had in uploading content and I'd already been feeling like I wanted to somehow step out of what the slipstream of what I was already doing but didn't know what that looked like. Like I think a lot of Wellingtonians like wondered whether I should learn how to code um, and go back and become a you know developer or something but um, ultimately I also knew that that probably wasn't my truest of passions which has always been writing so I loved the idea that there was probably an undersupply of bloggers or you know I guess nowadays people use the expression content creators for Wellington and I was super passionate about writing and I know I can write and I think that when you are starting up a side hustle or something like that, there's always going to be so many challenges and new things you're going to have to learn. But it has really helped for me to have something that at the heart of it all, I really know and feel like I'm good at because it gives me confidence when, you know, things don't go so well or maybe you miss out on a job or perhaps even a magazine doesn't want to um, get you to write something further after you've written something for them or, you know, you're pitching an article, you know, if you have something that you really are passionate about and that you know in your heart you're good at, that will hold you up when everything else seems to be going wrong. So I think a lot of people on social media are 
I guess they're more sort of consumers of content. If there's anyone out there that's kind of interested in making that jump to being a creator, are there any sort of good places to start? Uh, did you find any sort of resources that you sort of went to, to to sort of teach you how to start? Or was it more just observational? You started sort of paying attention to what people that you looked up to were doing. How did you sort of approach getting started? That's an amazing question. So the first thing I did was to work out what my framework was. And a framework is basically, what is it that you're going to show up and do and say every day? What's your angle or your niche? I think something that people often feel is that everything's been said um, and that there isn't anything that you can really add to the, quote, pile of crap that already exists out there in the world. And I think something really important to remember to paraphrase Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the author of Big Magic, is... We don't all have to come out and write the most original, life-changing, world-changing thing. Like, you know, yes, the world is full of crap, but, like, if you want to add some crap to that pile, you are totally allowed to add the crap to the pile. And it is, you know, your unique voice in that crap. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, like, I think for me, listening to TED Talks and listening to great podcasts like Control-Alt-Delete by Emma Gannon was really inspiring. It helped me kind of to hear some of these creators talk about the philosophies around making stuff and putting it out into the world and then coming up with my framework and then finding a really good hosting platform to launch the residence on, which for me was Squarespace. And Squarespace, if you ever want to sponsor me, I will say great things about you because they are a wonderful platform. You don't need to know how to do any coding to make it go. And it's pretty much like awesome out of the box. Um, Start your blog today level of, um, yeah, level of stuff. Very cool. I love that. I think people are going to find that really useful. So what's been the best unintended consequence of starting your blog? I think that I've been able to certainly experience and do a lot of interesting things. Like I went on an all-expenses trip to Thailand, which was really amazing. Um, With Hug Thailand, I have had some wonderful times with Inter-Islander, who kindly sponsored me to go over to uh, the top of the South Island three times over the sort of summer five-month period. I, I would definitely say, though, that meeting the incredible people who I have met who range from 17 to 70 has been the best part because in a funny way when I before I started blogging I very much just spent time with people who were around a similar age to me or working in professional services industries and I really like that through blogging you are exposed to a much wider range of people and you know those people enrich your life in different ways and because you're all you know it might they might not like writing at all but they are really passionate about something that intersects with something I'm really passionate about and because of that we can get along and you don't see the external differences as being something that's particularly major. Awesome so Wellington let's talk about Wellington for a bit. Mm -hmm. So I moved out here about 13 years ago and um, I thought I was just going to be here for six months and I was going to go back to San Francisco but I just fell in love with this place, how nice Kiwis are, how how you can go to a beach on a Friday night and have the whole beach to yourself um, and the good coffee. And But I'm curious, through your lens, Wellington seems to always be winning the award of best place to live. <laughs> um, so why do you think that is? I'm curious what your take on it is. 
I think Wellington has a mix of things people are looking for in the place that they live, and it's not really easy to find everywhere. So, one, it's a small city, just as you've mentioned. The population's really small, so that means it doesn't ever feel really crowded, except for maybe like Cuba Duper or the Newtown Markets, but that's a voluntary act. Um, it's really near the sea. It's a coastal city. It's got great culture and nightlife. Um, well, maybe the life, life, I'd say the probably the clubbing scene is where it really falls down, but I'm not really at clubbing age anymore. Um, but, you know, great food and coffee. And it's also, so it's kind of got that sort of city vibe, but then it's also got a village vibe because it's small enough that everybody kind of knows each other and it's really easy to connect. People really want to help each other. Again, just that village vibe. And you can go to the mountains in five hours if you really want to. It's also incredibly accepting like you can walk around on Cuba Street wearing anything and people won't really care I think that's a really important thing that people probably take for granted in Wellington quite a lot that acceptance factor that's right and I think a lot of people sort of make that comparison between the sister cities of San Francisco and Melbourne and all those cities sort of have that same vibe right do you know what's so interesting is I have maybe like 10% 10% of my subscribers to my mailing list are from San Francisco. Oh, my God. Well, it's that's, really weird. That's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. What, what's been some of your surprise discoveries since you've started blogging and sort of really getting out and trying to discover Wellington? I think that I thought maybe, you know, there might be a finite amount of stories to tell, but there really isn't because someone always is new and coming up in the world and there's just always something interesting to share or talk about. I think that, that the people who actually read my blog, that's always a surprise, you know, and that that has grown now to between ten to 20,000 unique visitors per month on the blog alone. And um, I think as well how, how the scene has changed around blogging and Instagram and content creation over the time that I've been doing it, because although it's only been three years, it, it's a lifetime in terms of how quickly things develop with social media platforms. So when it comes to like branded content, um, is there sort of um, a way in which you sort of make that decision as to which brands you want to collaborate with or or even are there any um, brands out there that you would love to collaborate with? Oh yeah, there's, there's heaps of brands I would really love to collaborate with. I think the biggest thing for me is whether or not it will feel natural to my audience. So I turn down a lot of projects probably like seven out of 10 things I turned down. Um, And that's because I don't like the idea that, you know, this is just a short term, make a quick buck kind of deal. I think as well, it can be so easy for things to look cliche when they've been too done on the internet. Like, um, you know, uh, maybe it's sort of a protein powder or something. Like I, my audience know that that's probably not the thing that I care the most about. So I really try and go with brands that make good sense. And if they don't make sense, then I really can't work with them, even if they wanted to pay me, you know, quite a bit more. There's always going to be brands who, you know, maybe come into the mix that you maybe only like, um, you know, 70%, not 100%. And I think that's important. It's kind of like we don't get to do something that we 100% love every day in our job. But I would say as long as I feel like there's an interesting story to be told and I as a blogger can fish that out, that's kind of what they're paying me for. They're paying me to sort of make something interesting and you you know tell a story about something that hasn't had that angle shared before. So 
Um, but I take I take it really seriously. I've always treated my blog like a business, and I think that it's really important to be transparent and have trust with my audience. And if I don't behave in a way that is meriting of trust, then I don't deserve to have them as readers. Yeah, cool. And who are some of your dream ambassadors? Oh, uh, like to work with? Yeah. Oh, that's so challenging. Um, well, I do love uh, I do love some sort of New Zealand brands. Like I love Koto. I love Twenty Seven Names. I really love Bocoops, the shoe brand. They would be a dream for me because I wear their like half my cupboard is Bocoop boots. I have been lucky enough to work with some brands that are already probably dream brands. Like one of them is Estee Lauder, which is incredible, and they're such a huge company. Um, and then there's something coming up that I, you know, would love to be able to talk about, but I don't know if I can. So yeah, there's like, there's definitely a lot of products and, and things that I would love to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, and as well, travel would be fantastic because although I guess it's a Wellington blog, there's no reason as well that you kind of can't take that perspective elsewhere and maybe visit somewhere like Canberra or San Francisco, as you mentioned. Awesome. So speaking of Wellington, to, to sort of shift the conversation back a bit, I'm really curious about sort of the whole, if you had 24 hours in the city, what would you do? So if anyone sort of popped into Wellington, they had 24 hours, and let's say they were a coffee and a food nut, mm-hmm. where would you recommend them to go? Oh, definitely Cuba Street. I think that, you know, starting the day somewhere like Loretta would be a fantastic thing. Um, and then I would recommend going for a tour of Lead Street because there's so many great places in Lead Street, like the Lead Street Bakery, Shepherd, Wellington Chocolate Factory, Hanging Ditch. Um, Customs is very close by, so I definitely recommend some coffee from Coffee Supreme at Customs. I also really enjoy some of the quirkier places out in Newtown, like Chichio Cacciao, um, really love Pizza Pomodoro, there's a lot of amazing places to go in Wellington, and you must visit more Wilsons if you ever come here too. That's a great recommendation. Um, and let's say they were a shopaholic. Yes. Where would you recommend them to go? I really love New Zealand designers, and I really love independent boutiques. So definitely Good as Gold and Corley are two brands that are awesome. Uh, sorry, two boutiques which are really awesome in Wellington and have a wide mix of clothes. I'm a big uh, supporter, as I said before, of 27 Names. Their clothes are amazing. They're beautifully tailored and they're made in a very ethical way. They're made in New Zealand. I also really love Wilson Trelope, who is a local designer and actually her aunt was my art history teacher at my school and I really admired her. So it's so nice that I'm now friends with her niece and we've collaborated on quite a lot of posts together, but she has a beautiful, elegant silhouette and her dresses fit and they suit so many people because they're very classic and timeless. Beautiful. That's great. And let's say you had 24 hours in Wellington, but you kind of prefer the off the beaten track. Mm. Um, where, where should they go? What should they check out? I have to recommend Greytown. I think Greytown is a really great place to visit. I know that's quite far off the beaten track, but there's so many great places out there like Blackwell and Sons, which do amazing e-bikes by Pashley. Um, it's got just a really beautiful village vibe. I think, yeah, it's just one of my favorite places to escape to. And whenever I kind of get through on a Friday night to like where it's sort of purpley in the sky and the sun setting around the hut, I just feel like I'm escaping the city. It's the best. 
brilliant. And we are in winter now, and it's getting cold and rainy, and I think a lot of people are sort of in that more nesting and wanting to stay at home mode. If it was cold and rainy and windy outside, where should people go in Wellington to still have fun? I would really recommend City uh, City Gallery. I really love the City Gallery. I think it's really special because it is a unique mix of contemporary art that's always changing. There's no home collection and connected to it is Nikau, which is really fabulous or very close by is also Takuka. Um, so I would go to City Gallery and then have some lunch at one of those places before heading to Unity Books for a quiet browse in the afternoon to sit down and have a read. That's great. So I guess if we could shift gears back to um, blogging and creating content. Now, creating content, I think, is tough, especially at the volume that you do, which is one to two quality posts on Instagram per day. Um, and you also write amazing blog posts and um, you shoot great YouTube videos, and people should definitely check you out on YouTube. Now, how would people find you on YouTube? Would so you just look up um, The Residence by Lucy Revel or The Residence Wellington. Um, my YouTube URL is youtube.com forward slash The Residence by Lucy Revel. Oh, awesome. Brilliant. So in terms of creating content, do you have any sort of systems or tips that help you get through the process of creating so much sort of through the week? So I guess over time, I've found really good collaborators. One of them is Ashley Church, who is a photographer, and she shoots my fashion posts. Uh, her working name is Dinosaur Toast, and we've known each other on and off since we were in high school, I think. Um, but we connected when I wanted to interview her as a resident of Wellington, and I always have pretty much paid Ashley to work with her because I believe in good karma, and if I want amazing brands to work with me and to pay me, then I need to be paying my collaborators too. I also work with a amazingly talented young woman called Nadia Darby, who's 21 and studying at film school. She's halfway through her PR and media degree as well at Massey and she's incredible and she has been the thing that's really changed my YouTube from being much more sporadic to being really consistent and professional. And I actually found her through advertising on The Big Idea, uh, which was a really great way to find someone because I didn't personally know a person who had a passion for video editing. And I'm really glad that I found her because she's awesome. Community collaboration, that's key, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's massive. But then, like, I mean, I do a lot of it myself. I'm very fortunate in that I'm a quick writer. My writing may not always be like the 10 out of 10, uh, you know, journalistic standard. Um, but I like that it is quirky, it is off the cuff, it is really genuinely what I'm feeling or thinking. I might not always overtly say what's happening in my life, but it will always reflect what's happening in my life. So I might be feeling stressed out because, um, you know, maybe someone has said something on Instagram that's got me down and I think about that and overanalyze it and then I might write a blog post about my Instagram is a bit of a double-edged sword and, you know, that's something that then other people may see and may relate to something in their lives. So um, I think, though, the thing I've always wanted to do ever since I was very young is make things to communicate my point of view and express myself. Like, it's absolutely something I've always had a passion for right from when my parents had a Microsoft 1995 computer and we had Microsoft Fine Artist as our first you know, CD-ROM, and to when I was playing Neopets or using MySpace, it's just something that keeps coming up as, you know, that because I was a millennial 
and in digital native, it was very much about kind of adopting from a young age skills that allowed me to express myself through the medium of computers. And outside of computers, I have also always written creative writing stories or been tactilely creative with painting or whatever it might be or drawing. So it's just in my DNA to make stuff. That's awesome. And you touched a little bit about um, that blog post on sort of Instagram comments and if if you're feeling down because of a comment. Um, Are there any other sort of common struggles that influencers go through that they don't really talk about? Um, I think probably just within the local community, um, because it's been so young in Wellington as well, um, people kind of finding their feet and probably as well like alliances popping up and people, you know, maybe a little bit of gossip here and there or like a little bit of clickiness. I think those times are really hard because you can't quit like when it's a job, you know, you can't change workplaces. You're going to keep running into these people around town. So you need to build coping skills for that and to be able to really rationalise what's the important thing about you going to an event and not feel or get down about somebody who might be rude and not talk to you when you see them like five times and you know exactly who they are. And I think that that's probably something that isn't talked about as much within the social media world as it's not necessarily the anonymous trolls in someone's basement. It's the people who are the trolls within the community that you know. And, like, not everyone is a nice person. And that's okay. And as long as you know why you're there and what you're seeking to get out of an event or something, then that's the main thing. And I really feel like I've had to grow a thicker skin through doing all of this work. And... Now I know if I'm going to an event that the reason I'm there is to actually go and talk to the interesting people who are the changers and the movers and shakers and the makers and the business people and not necessarily hang out with a pile of other people on their phones. I hope that answers your question. That's great. No, that is perfect. Because I have um, sort of nephews and sisters that are a lot younger than me and they're at the age where they're just getting on social media, I notice that they really get hung up on like how many followers they have and when they do posts, how many likes they have. Um, How do you sort of think about that in terms of your followers and your likes? I think it's interesting because the marketplace has changed over the last few years and you can see that in the dark side of social media, what people are prepared to pay for or cheat about. So initially it was just like follower numbers, right? Um, So it was who had the most followers. But then people started picking up on engagement and the little marketing or PR, you know, press releases talking about the influencer industry were much more focused on engagement. So then suddenly everybody started jump, jumping into comment pods, which were private Facebook groups where like there might be 100 people. And then when someone puts up a new photo, everyone goes and likes and comments on that particular person's photo to make it go higher in the receiver's feed on Instagram. Uh Obviously, none of those people are necessarily going to be real customers or real uh, people who the business wants to make an impression on. They're just doing it to make the influencer look or seem better. So, so it has changed, and you can also you can also buy engagement or create engagement artificially as well. So, it, it, it's often changing, and I think what the best companies do, or the people who really stand out, as they think about making the content more than they should think about how many followers they have. Um, It's very hard because I think if you look at a blog and then you look at an Instagram profile, 
on Instagram profile, the first thing you see is how many followers someone has. So it's up front and center. Whereas like in a with a website, no one knows how much traffic you get except for you. So I think it's quite funny because in a way I have seen that agents are much more focused on social media as a platform for individuals um, that they want to promote because it can create a more exciting impression with a brand that they're looking to impress. And a blog, on the other hand, it's not up front and centre in front of that person. So maybe it's a little bit less impressive or it seems a bit more old school. I reckon the big thing for kids is to really try and focus on you know, if they have something to say, you know, making sure that, you know, they're using social media for that purpose rather than the popularity game because that to me is the most toxic thing is if you're in, you know, and a lot of people are, they they really, you know, are promoting their content out as being popular. Um, having said that, there are some incredible influencers, including people who would only have Instagram accounts that are incredibly talented at making content. And by that, I mean creating incredible photos that are so different to those other people out there. And a great example of that is an Instagram account called All That Is She. And I'd highly recommend people look them up because they're so original. Um, That's the family, right? Yeah. She's got two kids and yeah. she does a lot of um, stop motion stuff, camera top down, them yeah. on the ground. I love that account. So yeah. she's super, super talented. And now there's a lot of copycat accounts that do something great. Similar, which is, again, not to devalidate, not to devalue those content creators. But um, I think having a unique proposition and saying something unique is the key to really putting yourself out there on social media and and you might not go you know that might contradict the idea that maybe everybody said something before and how, what have you got that to say that's new but i think you should be always looking at the masters of art or literature or photography to get inspiration and not just like keeping yourself on a feedback feedback loop of social media so it's important to consume high quality content off social media in order to be more inspired and creative with what you create on social media brilliant and who are some of the people that you sort of love to look at on your feed people I, that you look up to i have always looked up since the very beginning to todd selby who is a photographer and an author he had a book come out in 2010 called the selby is in your place and that was really the original inspiration for the residents um in the Selby is in your place. He goes into people's homes and he shoots them in really maximalist, relaxed environments, their own places. And he's shot people like Karl Lagerfeld, who's the fashion designer from Chanel, to Erin Wisson, who's a massive supermodel, right through to his neighbours or people who you've never heard of. And the thing with that is it's just about what is an interesting person um, and not not discriminating on basis of fame or, you know, how how well known that individual is so I have always looked up to him I love his photography style I love his irreverent tongue-in-cheek attitude about the world and how he's multidisciplinary and he also paints and I think he is one of the most talented people who I know out there I also really love Austin Cleon who wrote two books one is called uh, Steal Like an Artist and the other is called Show Your Work those both have been really inspiring for me he creates amazing poetry where he blacks out like chunks and then has like a word or two showing through um so he's he's definitely one of my massive other inspirations as well and then I also love like all old film um again Emma Gannon who wrote the book Control Alt Delete and has a new book out called The Multi-Hyphen Method which is about the future of work 
there's a lot of incredible people making stuff in the world. Very cool. So shifting back a little bit into sort of the daily grind, because you've got a day job, right? Yes. How do you sort of time manage? You've got a full-time job and then you're also creating heaps of content outside of work. Are there sort of tips or tricks to sort of time management and how do you think about those two things? Well, I'd say that the first thing is um, knowing how to use your calendar properly. So I, I absolutely have relied on my iCal and that was all I used up till very recently because it was all just in one space. I could, I'd synced my work calendar with it too so I couldn't make any mistakes and accidentally book a lunch meeting at the same time as a work meeting. Um, last month it got a bit crazy in, in May and I actually started doing a spreadsheet so that I could actually see all my content because I had the busiest month ever of sponsored content and I just needed to know when things were happening so I didn't let anyone down and I um, actually created a colour-coded spreadsheet to help me understand when things, you know, with all the days of the month on it so that I could actually properly see what I had coming up and this month I've been a bit more slack. I've kind of got it going on but I actually took a week off at the start of the month so I didn't feel overwhelmed and I could also relax and try and bring back some of my mojo and that's something I'm really struggling to do but actually to know how and when to take breaks so that I don't feel tired out from the um, content creation and actually not to feel compelled to put out so much because it's it's really easy kind of to feel like you're getting inspired by everything or everyone and you want to share but like ultimately you also have to know how to leave people wanting more of it and that's something I'm really trying to work on. Do you watch Casey Neistat? I like Casey Neistat. I don't watch all his videos, but I've seen a few of them. Yeah. yeah, he's gone through something similar where he took a break from YouTube, but now he's back producing content mm -hmm. and the vlog every day. But then there'll be just some days where he, there's no vlog for like two or three days yeah. because he just wants to sort of live his life and not let the content sort of rule his day to day, which is, I think that's important to sort of not feel that constant external pressure right yeah and I think I mean for me this is the only thing I've really ever stuck at consistently like I I have had other things I've done on and off like I did um volunteering with TED Talks in Wellington for a few years and other things you know I've always wanted to write a book but I think the thing that's been really interesting is that part of what keeps me going with the blogging is fear and that's not necessarily a great thing it's not that I'm afraid that you know, and I, I know consciously it's not all going to go away overnight, but it feels like I could, I'm frightened that I'll lose my interest in it completely and that it will become a real chore. And so it's really important for me to keep writing and keep producing because I get really anxious that if I stop, it could be forever because everyone has experienced that, right? Yeah. You start something, you're like, I'm definitely doing this. And then you stop and you're like, ah, oh, I can't really be bothered now. So... My my kind of like mental rules I've set up probably have like, yeah, kept me a little bit like locked in and just really wanting to push myself. Um, but it's it's trusting the process and trusting that I'll be okay and that actually if I don't post anything, the world will survive and I will come back and I will want to do it later. So is there anything that you're working on right now that you're super excited about? So I just got some news today that was exciting that I'm going to be working on a project later this month with one of my favorite brands so I'm thrilled about that. I'm currently working with an awesome awesome company from Wellington called Results Room who are helping me get in shape and they are fantastic if you really find the gym a challenge and you're a people person then 
Results Room is awesome because I go and see a personal trainer every day, every time I go and work out, and it's made a huge difference. Um, and I'm working on that until I go over to Europe for 10 weeks, which is coming up in the middle of August. So that will be an awesome chance to escape New Zealand and get a little look at the outside world and, and reflect on what I think and feel about Wellington after that. But before then, I'm going to be speaking at the end of the month on Thursday the 28th at Front and Centre at an event which was called BB9. And I'll be talking about social media and how it can help your business and how storytelling is important to everything we do now and how to feed the content beast. Um, so I'm very excited for that. And you can get tickets for that from the Wellington Chamber of Commerce website. I'm also going to be a speaker at Winetopia, which is on the 30th of June and that is a more relaxed affair where I'll be sharing a glass of wine with one of the MCs and um, giving a little bit of a spiel about some of the adventures I've been on through my blogging and how wine has played a part in that. Very cool. That's exciting. So your trip, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to lots of different countries in Western Europe, um, starting out in the UK, weaving my way through um, sort of the Danish Netherlands region and then uh, France, Spain, Italy, and Greece. That's so, awesome. Are you now? Are you going to be still blogging or updating your Instagram while you're on the road? I'm going to be writing for me, and I haven't organized any collaborations with any businesses while I'm over there. I'm really hoping to meet a few people in London here. I'll interview, but apart from that, I just think I need to really like. See if I can take a bit of time off. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat myself up too much. But um, I think it's unlikely you'll be not hearing anything about the trip at all. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Very cool. So, where can people find you online? So you can find me uh, if you're on Instagram by searching at theresidents.nz with a T, not a C E. Also through my blog, which is www.theresidents.co.nz. You can go to YouTube and look up The Residents by Lucy Revel um, and I'm also on Twitter at Residents underscore Wally and on Facebook as well um, with, which is the theresidents.nz too. And also on your website you have the Lucy letter. Can you yes. tell me a little bit about what that is? So I was doing a weekly newsletter that was just a quick roundup automated on MailChimp of my stories and then I was enjoying signing up to newsletters from some other people and I thought that it would be a great thing to introduce. I meant to start sending it at the beginning of each month, but it seems to be have a very regular deadline of around the 15th this month, every month, so I delay it by two weeks, but it's consistent. That's so um, next month I might try and um, see if I can put it up on the first of the month, but um, if I don't, then it will be consistent. It will be out there on the 15th or so, but that's just kind of a bit of extra insight into me things to do around Wellington, what's on, a little bit of insights from me that you'll only get through email and the odd competition giveaway as well. Now, on behalf of everyone who lives in Wellington or anyone who is thinking about visiting Wellington, I encourage all of you guys to check out what Lucy does online. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your time and for what you do and for putting yourself out there and sharing this beautiful city with the world. So thank you. Oh, thanks so much, Vic. <laughs> I awesome. really appreciate that. And thank you for listening to the show. All the show notes for this episode could be found at boxclip.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on iTunes. If you're listening to this on Anchor, I would love to hear from you. Voice me any feedback, thoughts, or suggestions. 
Next week, I catch up with Bowie, ex-animator turned best-selling author and illustrator.